0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: This is episode 107 of Retired Resource Radio on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Resource Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired resource, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Resource Project and New Vocations Resource Adoption Program.
2: On today's show, we chat with Dr. Embley from Rudin Riddle about senior horse care why you shouldn't be afraid to adopt an older horse and how to care for your horse today to prepare them for their senior years tomorrow. We catch up with our Making the Makeover rider Julia Haysu, and how her horse has been doing as they prepare for the makeover. And finally, we meet our adoptable horse of the week and get a training tip from Leandra Cooper from New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Stay tuned. <laughs>
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the Retired Racehorse.
1: This is Joy Orr, Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Kristen, I saw you had another show this last weekend. Yes, Jobber made his triumphant return to the show ring since having his little tumor taken off his forehead. So, how did it go? Well, for Jabber, it went great. He was like, he was just on fire, felt amazing, had a great weekend. The judge loved him, um, which was really cool. So we got the highest cow score of the whole show. Um, Like everybody there who did any cow class, we got the highest score available. Well, okay. The highest score awarded that weekend. I guess there is no limit for highest score available, but um, yeah, he was just, he was great. Like he was just like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to show. I'm here to work some cows. Like we roped a cow, which went well enough. I love I that that was your roll.
2: big goal. I'm never going to get over it. Like, that was your goal at the beginning of the year. And like, I feel like every time we talk, like, yeah, I got it. I roped a cow. Got it. Yeah,
1: I might move my goalposts a little and say, now I just want to ro- Need a level rope a up cow up. in every show. Need to level yeah. up. Yeah. 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 We're going to go with that now. Watch. I'll probably never catch a cow again. Um, so, but yeah, Jobber just had a great time. Like everyone was like, oh my God, is doing amazing. We're so happy to see him. Like everything's great. Um, Eric and I entered the ranch hand challenge, which was super fun. It was actually a class that I have been chatting with the show manager over the winter and was like, here's what you should do. You should have this like cow obstacle course. I was probably drinking when I told her this. It was like, <laughs> have a cow obstacle course we have to push the cows through the obstacles and then you have to like pony the other person's horse and like do some stuff and she was like yeah great we're gonna do it so she did it like she set it up and we uh when we are riding down to the ring you know to we were late in the class and it was already like nine thirty at night and we're riding down to the ring and all i see are just cows running everywhere and like riders running everywhere and eric and i are like oh my god this is gonna be really hard so uh, I put clips up on our social media, like a very condensed version because it was oh, like a solid five minutes of us just walking with cows, which is not that interesting to watch if you you know don't have an appreciation for it. But um, yeah, we did great. Like we nailed it. So <laughs> I think we were the, the winning time by like 30 or 40 seconds. You know, it was like a, like a, I think it took us seven minutes, 43 seconds. Um, and, and you had to put a tent up and get in the tent. So that was like a really oh weird final, yeah. final, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, we got our cows through our series of gates and then put them back in the pen. And then, um, you know, I took a leaf out of our uh, making the makeover guest Claire's. Book, you know, because mm-hmm. we had been doing so much ponying all winter, um, and the middle part of the whole obstacle course was ponying a horse over obstacles. So we did the whole thing at a trot, like a big trot. So that shaved off a lot of time, and uh, yeah, so it was it was fun. They had a panel of youth judges to award the horsemanship points, so we got maximum horsemanship points. And uh, they were like, "Look at the whole family is long legged," which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I guess Jabber and Shorty are our sons." So yeah, Cute. the whole family. So yeah, so Jabber had a great weekend. Shorty was fine. (laughs) Fine. He he was fine in the show ring. He was fine as long as Eric was on his back or leading him around. But Shorty decided halfway through the weekend. Yeah, he was like, I cannot be in the stall any longer. I will dig my way out. And when that didn't work, like he literally was digging with both feet. Um, 40. Yeah. Fortunately, he goes in scoop boots, which are very durable. So the scoop boots were fine despite him trying to tunnel under his stall door. And then when that didn't work, he tried to go over the top. So that was really exciting to see his scoop boots like coming over the wall of the stall. So, um, yeah, so that didn't go great. And we're not really sure why he suddenly has decided, but he absolutely cannot accommodate being stalled at all. Like he sleeps at night, but during the day, he's just like, nope, get me out of here. So I was bouncing some ideas around and I got permission from show management. So this is going to be the -hmm. next two months. We are going to teach him to high tie, which is usually something done by like backcountry campers. Um, But I have permission to try it on the show grounds. There's a grove of trees that we can use um, and we're going to set up a high tie that goes between the trees. And during the day, we're going to put Shorty and Jabber on the high tie with, you know, hay and water Mm -hmm. and then staple them at night. But we're going to practice it first, make sure that they tolerate high tying at home. Uh, and then we're going to give that a go because otherwise like literally someone has to babysit Shorty from the minute the sun comes yeah. up until we're done at night. And it's very
2: exhausting. Well, and, you, and you don't want his anxiety to continue to build over. Time,
1: yeah. So. Well, and it's just like, he's fine if he's out hand grazing, but then like literally either Eric or I has to be holding him all mm-hmm. the time. So, which for like a 16 hour day is a really long time to be yeah. physically walking a horse around. So yeah. 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 So we're going to give that a try. So, uh, I will be posting some updates on our social media over the next couple of weeks as we try out the high tie. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll take a deep dive at some point into the equipment and the process and, and if it's working or not. So stay tuned for Excellent. that adventure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I have to
2: say, I'm probably going to be similar to you. Um, Astrid, I, I think I'm going to take her for her first off property show on July, yeah. July 30th. We have a really nice schooling series here. There's one each month over summer and it's about 30 minutes from my barn. So it's very close. Um, and it's got a very friendly facility and it the judges know it's schooling too. So a lot of green horses, like the babies come in, a lot of off the tracks are coming. So, well, yes, there's some chaos. It certainly happens. <laughs> Um <laughs> the judges are super forgiving. Like I've seen it where people have started the wrong test because their horse is acting silly and they forgot what they were doing. And the judges like start over it's fine. Like
1: mm, that's so it's, yeah. It's a it's, perfect environment.
2: It's absolutely perfect. So I haven't had her in an off-property show in a really, really long time because her trailer anxiety has just escalated over the years. And part of it is I don't have a consistent trailer to have access to in my current life. It really helps when you can get them in and out you know, once a week at least, it's so they don't lose the familiarity. And so what I'm hoping to do is borrow my friend's trailer because she literally doesn't use it. I I love her to death, but she I don't think she's used her trailer in three years. It's like sitting in pristine condition. I'm like, can I just have this? So Astrid eats her dinner in it (laughs) for the next three weeks. Yeah. Um and I don't think that should be an issue at all. Her horse is best friends with my horse. So I think you know, just out of those ties, we'll we'll have something where we can make it work. But we'll try to make it familiar. And then I talked to my trainer too, and I know it's controversial to some, but I think we're gonna try some anti-anxiety meds from the vet. We're talking about that as an option just to make the trailer ride less of a scare. Um, and we're not gonna necessarily dorm or we don't want her out, but we would like her to have a positive experience, and that means keeping her safe um, and getting her out and about because it's just the trailer ride. It's not necessarily being a new spot. She adjusts really quickly, but we want to make sure that trailer ride doesn't escalate and create a really negative experience and, you know, showing or not, even if we just went to clinics or hacking or something, I don't want her to associate. It's always negative to leave the farm.
1: Yeah. Oh. So, that, well, that makes sense. a lot of sense because yeah. like you can't ride in the trailer you know it, it's like i know. can't soothe her in there safely. right it'd be different if you're like oh i'm gonna you know sedate her every time i ride her because otherwise she's crazy like that's a bigger problem but that's not what you're doing you're like oh no. I'm help and her like a place the angle is
2: yeah you know she feels comfortable enough like we're using a big warm blood size it'll be super roomy and oh, spacious yeah. kathy's trailer is very light and bright on the inside so we're hoping like just going in and out and making it Positive to begin with, but those first couple rides where she's moving around in the trailer, we're just thinking a, a light dose of some anti-anxiety meds just to take the edge off, so she can realize this is safe, this is okay. Um, we'll will help her kind of get to those next stages.
4: Yeah, no, that
1: sounds like a great solution. I think, and I think that's what those meds are intended for.
2: Yes, don't that use an abuse, but kind of scenario. talk to your vet. Right, definitely exactly. talk to your vet about it. Yeah, perfect. Um, Good plan. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'll definitely share how it's going. Like I said, I know it's a little controversial to some, but sometimes like just for the horse's safety and well-being, especially God forbid, we had an incident where we needed to go to like MSU or something. I don't want the trailer to be what stops her from getting the care she needs at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of positives to work on this besides just going to a, a horse show, but we'll keep you posted on both of what we're doing. It sounds like, sounds like we have a lot of work to be doing to cure some <laughs> got anxiety. A big July coming up. Yep. Big July, <laughs> working on horse anxiety. We talked with Leandra about de-escalating anxiety in horses. So there's kind of a running theme today. Um, but before we dive into all that, we're going to hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
4: If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues.
0: This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com.
1: Joy, we're very excited to have with us today Dr. Ashley Embley from Rude & Riddle to talk about a topic I think that is getting increasingly near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we would like to discuss today the care of the senior horse, um, and of course, this is Retired Racehorse Radio, but this topic can apply to any of us with senior horses in any discipline or breed. Um, so Dr. Embley is with Root & Riddle based in Wellington. We're really excited to have her with us. So welcome
5: to the show. Oh, Thank you. So I
1: think a good place to start is just helping to define the senior horse, because I think this is probably something that I would imagine varies with individuals, but then also like with discipline, you know, because what's considered in a quote unquote old horse on the track is not the same as what we might consider a senior horse, you know, if we're a trail rider or a hunter jumper. So how do you tend to define the senior horse?
6: Well, I would agree that, you know, every discipline is going to look at um, a senior as being a little bit different, you know, depending on on their career. Like you said, on the track by, you know, four five, six years old, they're pretty much done with their career and looking to to move on to something else. Um, another is like the rainers, the futurities. Everything happens at three, four. You know, their careers are, are very early. Um, but overall, I mean, personally, I would say you know around fifteen is when I start kind of thinking, okay, we're we're dealing with more of a, a geriatric horse and and starting to take some of those geriatric needs into account. But it, it's also very individual, and you just have to look at the overall health of the animal and um you know its baseline fitness and all of that goes into play when when determining kind of what your plan is for it.
1: And I would assume too that like if you're looking at horse feed, I think you can move that senior scale, it seems like all over the place. So like I have a nine year old on the senior feed. <laughs> same, same.
6: <laughs> yeah. Well and well, and, and, no, and old. Often teeth will 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 do that as well. You know, like sometimes they're they're the needs of their mouth will sometimes put them on an old or complete horse diet. Right?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So, and when you're working with, you know, a senior horse in your respective field, like I I'm really guilty of this that, you know, I start thinking like, oh, you're a senior, I can't, you know, maybe ride you as hard or I should You know, back off your training schedule a little bit, and I would imagine that's not necessarily always the case. Like these horses still benefit from plenty of exercise and the same amount of you know turnout and work. Um, But what are some considerations you know to take into well consideration as you're you're starting to notice your horses maybe aging a little bit? Like you know, do you want to back way off on that work schedule or keep them in the same amount of work?
6: I think it is so horse dependent and is very important, you know, to, this is why you need a good relationship with your veterinarian. And I, I guess just to give a classic example and why old horses are so near and dear to my heart. My daughter got her horse, what we call like her, her very first great jumper when he was 22 years old. And most people would think like 22, well, that's kind of an old horse to be getting, you know? Well, at 22, he won a class, FEI class on Long- at, on Miami Beach, Longines. Oh, at awesome. 23 and 24, he was the circuit champion of WEF in the high children's jumpers. At 25, he jumped his first international hunter derby where the fences are 4-1 to 4-3. And then 26, we sort of kind of backed off of him a little, just let him do a couple little shows. And at 27 this past year, We took him to WEF and we leased him to a little girl who did him in the meter jumpers. And he was champion three weekends at 27 years old with 74 in the class. Um, I mean, he's a spitfire and he loves to work. And I do think he's a little bit more the exception than the rule, but it just shows you like, you can't define a horse by its number because Uh, this horse will, uh, will go forever. Like he's sound, he's feisty and we, we are careful and we have, like we've, you know, it used to be that we rode him six days a week. Now he gets ridden like five days a week, but it, it, every horse's program has to be based on that horse because yes, there are times when you do need to back down. But I also find that as long as the horse doesn't have anything structurally wrong, as long as the horse is sound, I find that so many of these older guys do so much better in a program, you keep them working, keep them moving, they keep the muscle, they keep their weight. Um, You know, sometimes the answer is to keep working rather than to, than to not work. And um, I think that that's, you know, something you have to assess on a horse by horse basis.
1: That's brilliant. I love that he is still out there winning the world <laughs> at
6: that age. Uh, and it's a, it's a it's amazing. And but it, he's not the only one. I mean, I have plenty of clients who who have very similar. I mean, there are still so many ponies out there, you know, doing the division at 26 years old. And so it, it I think as long as you take really good care of them and listen to their needs, they really can. It, it's amazing how much longer horses live now and how much we've done to improve, you know, their health and, and their longevity.
1: Yeah, for sure. So to sort of flip that question the other way, then what might be some indications that you would notice as an owner or a rider that you might need to, you know, make some changes or back off a little bit on workload? Like what might we be picking up on with a I, I think
6: their weight is a huge... It is a huge thing. I I think that sometimes they will tell you that something is not right if they start falling off a little bit. And I think that, you know, you you just have to think of all the common old horse problems, you know, Cushing's, which normally the Cushing's horses are fat, but every now and then you see a skinny Cushing's horse. So, um, you know, Cushing's, and then I cannot stress their mouth enough because, the, their teeth become more fragile as it is are you know, older. Um, when we got our guy, he was skinny and he'd had a routine float. I mean, the people who'd had him, you know, thought they were doing a good job and, and he was had his teeth floated all the time. Well, when I opened up his mouth, he had a fractured tooth mm-hmm. and I took, we took the fractured tooth out and then boom, he gained weight like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So Um, you know, you just have to make sure you've got someone looking in their mouth who knows what they're doing and can see like fractured teeth, um, you know, things of that nature because it changed his life. We took the bad tooth out and he instantly gained a hundred pounds. So their weight to me is is very important. If you notice them them falling off, then you, you probably need to make some sort of change, whether it's feeding, whether it's workload or you know also make sure nothing's hurting them i say i always say that you should have your horse at least twice a year jogged up by a veterinarian flexed and make sure that there isn't something that is that is bothering the horse and it is very very often that you know i see horses where people are like oh yeah he's great he's sound and i watch them ride and i'm like no 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 no, no, he, he's not sound. <laughs> so, and, and it's not that the people are, you know, are not taking care of their horse. They just don't recognize that the horse is not sound. So uh, I always think it's very good to, to have your horse checked at least twice a year, make sure everything looks good and um, have a good baseline so that, you know, when things start to go the other way
2: those are all really important indicators especially the teeth i had one senior horse who i think i removed one tooth for the last 5 years of her life and you know what she looked great super healthy super happy the whole time it's just you know just just the belly of the beast in some ways of having a senior horse but you couldn't tell by her behavior so i totally agree on keeping a lookout for those different things but let's let's look at the retired racehorses for a little bit and i think with the appeal of bringing a thoroughbred into your life is they're so young. They're so vibrant when they're coming off the track. I'm curious, you know, with the RRP now doing their broodmare division, these horses are going to be a little bit older. Um, and even in the standard bred world, they typically retire after the age of 10, maybe even 14 or 15 do you think people should have a hesitancy about adopting a horse of this age? I, I have a feeling of your answer, but I'm just gonna ask it yeah. anyway.
6: <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. since my favorite horse on our property, we got it twenty two. So again, you know I, I think age is is simply a number. I think that the most important thing is that, you know, the horse is just, Sound for the purpose that you are, are, are going to use it for. So, you know, there are, I mean, you will see there are plenty of horses out there who've run amazing amounts, like, you know, 70, 80 races. And you jog them up and you're like, how? Because some of them, they're just hard knockers and they're still sound and they're still going. So, you know, again, it's, it's very horse dependent. And if the horse is sound and looks good, I have absolutely no problem with you know a ten year old or you know or older as long as you know y- your vet's gone over it and and everything looks good. No, I think these horses, uh, especially especially those, I mean, they show that that they are athletes and they're they're out there still at it.
2: I love that. And uh, with the racehorse injuries that we're aware of, we covered them on our show before. Have you noticed that? you know, retired racehorses may seem to age quicker than other horses, or do you see them being just as vibrant into their senior years?
6: I see them being just as vibrant. I think that a little bit, like you said, with the injuries, like I always say, just the thing that I always run into is the front ankles, you know, make sure they have the the front ankles are, are holding up. And as long as those look pretty good, then you're, you're probably okay. Um, for for jumping obviously sometimes if you have a lot of ankle arthritis they'll they'll start to get a little bit unhappy um so just again the overall soundness i think relates to their you know use as a performance horse past in, in their second careers but as long as as you're good there then i think you're you're fine
1: and yeah, there's, I think that's a thing that, you know, there's a, a line, well, maybe not a line between senior horses and performance horses that, you know, and this is, I've tried to explain this to my husband a few times because he's like, these thoroughbreds seem to take a lot more care than, you know, the pasture horses we used to have. And I'm like, well, we're treating them as sport horses and not as. Pasture pets, you know, so so right. there's going to be a. Different- yeah, they're
6: going to be fine if they're standing in the field. Clearly, right? But- yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you see this all the time on, you know, horse ads for sale. Um, you know, of like no maintenance required, or you know, there'll be an in search of ad that's like, I don't want a horse that needs any maintenance. So typically, how do people define maintenance, or like, how would you define maintenance in your practice? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean, oh, it needs a little equiox, or oh, he needs his hocks injected every year?
6: yeah I would say either of those. I think that it just kind of depends on 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 who wrote your ad, you know, I mean, and um, some people would consider having to give a little equiox maintenance, whereas others would just consider you know, having his talk done once a year as being regular maintenance. and um, it, again, just probably varies by by each person's idea of what of what maintenance is. But I guess again, like, I, I would put it out there. I wouldn't be afraid of maintenance, you know? I mean, yes, there is some, a little bit of expense to maintenance, but at the same time, as you all know, horses are not cheap creatures.
0: <laughs> and right. you, know,
6: you, you sort of uh, have to kind of factor that in, but I mean, I have so many horses that, you know, okay, yeah, maybe they get their ankles done once a year or they get their hocks done once a year, but they're out there, you know, every other weekend just to competing and people are enjoying well into their 20s. And I think that, you know, just because I guess one misconception, just because the horse, you know, has maintenance once then, you know, it, it's forever going to be, um, you know, going down that road. And, you know, sometimes like, for example, a horse with kissing spine, we treated its back and then we haven't treated it for three years because once its back was comfortable, it started working properly. And then it got a whole bunch of muscles down the back of it, you know, and it carries itself and it wasn't getting back sore. So, you you know, I think you have to consider that that is not a bad thing because I do think sometimes with the racehorses coming off the track, you can expect that there might be some maintenance because they go hard at a young age, but maintenance shouldn't, in my opinion, scare you away from, you know, turning down a horse that could be uh, an absolute great horse for you.
1: And maintenance doesn't necessarily have to mean that the horse is unsound without the maintenance, because mm-hmm. I think that maybe is the misconception, right? Of like, right. that horse needs maintenance. Absolutely. Maintenance, so it's not sound. Yeah. yeah right, right,
6: right.
2: right. Well, and I think something people need to consider too if you are looking for a no maintenance horse and you find the ad that says no maintenance required. Your horse may actually need maintenance once you start working with it. Like (laughs)
6: you don't know what that that person is doing with it. It's sitting in a field, (laughs) exactly.
2: Or they weren't aware or weren't willing to pay for the maintenance that horse needed to require. Like, yeah, I have a thoroughbred because
1: my standards are lower. Yeah,
2: (laughs) exactly. Like I have a thoroughbred, and actually, she is very low maintenance. If you want to think of you know injections and all that stuff, I don't have to do that for her at this time. I'm willing to do it as she gets older, but she does need chiropractic work know, every three to six weeks, just depending on her workload. And that in some ways is a form of maintenance.
6: A maintenance, absolutely.
1: Well, that's a good question, Joy, because I wanted to transition into that. What are some of the, like, complementary therapies that we can employ for senior horses to help them be more comfortable if there isn't necessarily, like, a you know, a soundness issue or a, a joint issue or an arthritis issue that requires Veterinary maintenance, what are some of the complementary therapies we can use to help these guys just the, go into those golden years in best shape?
6: I mean, I think they all like the chiropractor. I think that, you know, things like the Beamer blankets, um, even just in, in the winter. A lot of people have the the warm like solarium lights that they'll put them under. Like if you live in a really cold climate so that their muscles warm up or even like a back on track blanket that warms them up a little bit, warms their muscles up, you know, a proper warm up and, and, and cool out. I think that for the geriatric course is something that you definitely should employ, like when you are out working them, give them an extra long warm up. You know, don't go out there and pop right into the trot. Let them, especially if they've been standing in the stall for a little while. Let them really walk and stretch. Um, You know, because sometimes the older horses need a little bit more of a warm up period than than the younger horses.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I always try to. <laughs> a lot of time in the winter too. Like my horses are really hairy because they live out. So. And so it takes me, it's mostly walking anyway, that you're going to get all sweaty. And then I, uh, then I'm spending way more time cooling them down. So yeah, I think long snowy walks in the winter are always a good <laughs> idea. I love that. So what about stretching, Dr. Emily? Like
2: I always get a little bit nervous because I've heard of like horror stories, people over stretching their horses, but I feel like that could also be a benefit for senior horses or, you know, before they even hit their senior years, stretching a horse out. So they stay a little more limber.
6: Yeah. And something just simple like carrot stretches, you know, where you have a carrot, and you just kind of have them reach around to each side and maybe reach between their front legs. You know, you don't have to go crazy, but a little bit of stretching certainly never hurt anyone.
2: I think that's awesome. I'm going to have to do that more for my horse because I get really like freaked out for some reason, stretching her too much. I I don't know. It's all probably in my head, but I definitely know she enjoys it at the end of the day. I think that's the awesome.
1: carrot is involved. Oh, for sure.
2: I mean, really any snack sounds like a good snack right. for her. Snacks.
1: Any kind of incentivized treat is always, you know.
2: Yes. yes. <laughs> well, let's even talk about like just briefly, because nutrition could be a, a topic all on its own. But for our senior horses, is there anything that we can do to help them feel healthy and happy into those golden years on a nutrition level? Like I'm pretty much a fan of low sugar for any horse, but uh, you're the expert here.
6: Um, just, you know, a good quality feed and hay and every horse is, is going to be different. It just depends on, on what you're feeding. You know, I mean, some of, some of the thoroughbreds are hard keepers and some of them are easy keepers. And it, it's, it just, it so ranges the spectrum. I mean, you have some that you just have to pump the hay and grain to, and then others that, you know, stay fat on air. And I think, especially when they're younger and they're coming off the track and they're ripped and they're fit, you know, that's going to take a lot to feed, but often as they mature and you know, say their lifestyle changes, they're no longer standing in a the stall, they're out on pasture more, um, you know, sometimes they transition into an easier keeper. So and then ponies of course different than horses as far as having to watch their feet and and sh- sugar but you know, I, I just say you, you really have to make an individual plan for your horse with your veterinarian. But for me, you know, a really good quality hay and grain is is by far the most important. Everyone, I, I personally think that goes down, you know, the supplements. Sometimes people get a little supplement happy, like just make sure that you are supplying a good quality feed and hay often like the senior products are are lovely. I mean, they are truly formulated, you know, for the senior. And then I I think that, I mean, personally, for our old guy, we added an amino acid supplement that seemed to kind of be life-changing for him. Ironically, he didn't sweat very well, and when we added the amino acids, he he started sweating again. And mm-hmm. we had done everything. I mean, we had done you know the, the acupuncture, beer, all, all the all the normal things that you do, and we added amino uh, amino acid supplement, and he started sweating again. So it, it it's just very very horse dependent because each each horse is going to have different needs because some are going to be too fat that you really have to watch their weight and others you're just going to be just pumping the groceries too
1: i love that so yeah i would say if there's like one takeaway message from this segment it is listen to your individual horse Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of course they're all different there's plenty of considerations but like yes you've just got to really listen to that horse and be very you know
6: and Honest, you keep yes, so early. early. Yes. yes. Yeah. And you know, I mean, th- lovely things that you can do that, you know, things like Adequan. I mean, Adequan is a lovely joint supplement that we do early that sometimes mm-hmm. keeps them from having to, to have some of that maintenance. I mean, there, there are all sorts of things that you can do to be, you know, super proactive. But I think that the biggest message to, for me is have a good relationship with your veterinarian make sure that your horse is sound and healthy and happy and don't ignore you know the mouth you can't stress the mouth enough in an old horse um the, the dental problems because like you said with your horse sometimes you you won't ever see it you know you, you won't you won't, they'll still do their job you know they're I I always say it's just if you think about it, think about how much if you have a toothache, how much that hurts. And then imagine not being able to say anything like they can't tell us, you know, like, so you have to notice anything subtle, any subtle change in their personality, any subtle change. You know, uh, so often I will get because I am more performance based, you know, well, he just started stopping and he's never stopped before. Uh, you know, at a jump that is. So if something's hurting, I always say they they can't tell you. So before you get after them and say, you know, you, you go over this jump, make sure there isn't something that's changed as to why they're uncomfortable. And with the senior horse, that could be anything. It could be soundness. It could be a tooth. It could be weight. You know, you just have to pay attention to your individual horse and and see if they're trying to tell you something.
2: Perfect. I think that's like the best thing we could end this episode on. Dr. Umbley, thank you so much for joining us today and teaching us a little bit more about senior horses. Like the big thing that I'm learning is starting a little bit earlier, keeping up the routine maintenance that we currently have. And by that, I mean our regular dental appointments, our chiropractics, double checking the saddle fit and all your tack fit because they grow and change even up into their senior years. And by having our baseline, it sounds like you can catch these things a lot sooner um, rather than yes. waiting until the seniors just try to diagnose. So thank you again. I know our listeners yes. really appreciate it.
6: And tell everyone, don't be afraid of the senior horse. They are some of the best, best horses. I mean, they, they are great. They can, they can teach you and and they're wonderful.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Emily. I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But I, we're at the trade show, and this is the p- point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cashel have new coming out?
3: Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright. Sharp-looking pads.
0: What? Are the, what makes them different?
3: Uh, well, it's the fill. the 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 wool felt on the inside is a natural felt, and the fleece on the bottom is a hundred percent merino. Oh, really? Okay. So these are soft and squishy pads. Well, not real squishy, but soft. And and they do absorb shock and and saddle fit.
0: What would they retail for? What are those? That's you know, about one
3: hundred and nineteen.
0: That's the right price,
3: yeah. Anything else new with cash coming out? Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall, a uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly, you bet. Fly, yeah, fly that's what we all. That's it. how I knew you in the first place. Was fly, fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddle bags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow.
0: Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the
3: products? Uh, CashelCompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go.
0: Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again.
3: Hey, thank you. Good to see you.
0: Well, Joy,
1: we are back with our Making the Makeover Rider. Tonight we have with us Julia Haysu with Indian Counselor, who has two nicknames. Julia, you're going to have to explain <laughs> that one to us.
7: Yes. so I call him Carson. Uh, But Summer, who also owns him, calls him Thunder. So I now jokingly just call him Carson Thunder Chestnut. That's his whole name.
1: (laughs) Every horse needs a first and a last name. I love that. We have a Shorty Harmon. So yeah, I'm with you on that, Carson (laughs) Thunder Chestnut. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, going to be hard to fit on a halter plate, though. So you might have to. Yeah, for sure. That one down a little. Nice. (laughs) So what have you guys been up to? You've had kind of a busy couple of weeks, haven't you?
7: Yeah, so two weeks ago he did a hunter show with Summer on board, who has a broken hand. So she is a oh. champion. Oh my god,
1: did
0: she
7: show? Um, yeah, she, she sure did. Um, she had to get uh, you know a note from her doctor that said that she was allowed to compete, um, and she was great. She rode him really well. She's still you know kind of figuring him out a little bit because she's only coming once or twice a week to sit on him. But they just did the 18-inch jumpers at uh, one of our local schooling series, and he was he was really good. I think they got better and better through you know as they went along, which was awesome. great. And then last weekend, I took him to Fair Hill uh, to do the starter trial there. We moved him up to the starter division.
2: Amazing! And how did he like, like that? Big couple of weeks.
7: Um, yeah, um, he was on paper. It doesn't look great you know, just reading the scores. (laughs) But there were so many things where like you always want to be like, I wish the judges and everybody watching like knew how big it was for me, how many Mm -hmm. things he did that are so much better than he's been doing. So I was thrilled with him and he finished. So that was, you know, great in my book.
2: Epic. I always just have an appreciation for anyone who tries eventing at the Retired Resource Project Thoroughbred Makeover, it's just, it's already a big goal, right? To like basically have nine, maybe 10 months to retrain these horses in a second career to take them to this event. But you were like retraining in three disciplines. Like- Right, it wasn't hard enough on its own. Yeah, so you had to take it to the next level.
7: (laughs) Right. So in 2018, the first year that I did the makeover, I did eventing then as well. And that was actually the last time I had been eventing at all until this year.
2: Was it like from burnout or just, you know, mixing no, things up?
7: The horses that I'd had didn't want to be eventers and I'm not going to, okay. you know, squeeze them into a box. They don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's most of them have just wanted. Yeah. Most of them have just wanted to do kind of like the hunters, this lower paced stuff, but they've been young. So I've been focusing just on flat work, but With him, we thought the eventing route might be a good way to go, Mm -hmm. because out cross-country, he has no choice but to go forward, um, which kind of helps with his whole getting stuck in slow motion thing. And it's it's working. It's a slow process, but it's working. And no, that's genius, yeah,
1: because I think a lot of people would have been like, oh, he wants to be a hunter, or like, oh, he just wants to do dressage, because he's kind of, you know... (laughs) Sticky but yeah, that makes so much more sense to be like, no, put him somewhere where he has to open up. Even if long-term he doesn't event, it makes him realize yeah. he can move forward. So that's genius. That's a really creative exactly. solution.
7: Uh, so yeah. out of, he's super brave. So it's, it's been fun for me because he doesn't care about the jump. Nice.
2: That's really yeah. nice. So yeah. what out of the three phases, what one does Carson like the most?
7: He is definitely a cross-country horse. The dressage, I laugh. I just sort of laugh through the whole test. Steering is still kind of hit or miss. (laughs) So I'm just laughing and, you know, trying to continue to get him to go forward through the test, just keep his feet moving in the right direction. And the judge and I kind of just had a moment where we just sort of laughed together when I said thank you at the end of the test. And the show jumping, he's still a little bit aware of where the gate is. So his gate sour thing sort of comes into play there. But cross country, once he gets out there and he gets going, he I think he really loves it.
2: That's what's yeah, going to make a good a adventure at the end of the day. You know, if they loved exactly. the show jumping and they don't love cross country, it might not be the best route at the end of the day for them. So it's great to hear he's got the heart and fire for that. I want to know, I know you've been traveling a ton to do all of these different shows as a braiding expert. You have this amazing side service that you offer. How are you keeping up with that while also training your horse?
7: So I've been lucky that, most of the braiding so far this year has just been like one or two days. It's just been on the weekends. And then for the next two weeks, I'm in Pennsylvania. So I drove up here yesterday and I'm at in State College, Pennsylvania, braiding for an A show. It's essentially three shows wrapped into two weeks, but everybody's here the whole time. So it's basically a two-week long horse show. So I... Won't be home, obviously, for any of that. Um, so Summer is just doing light hacking with him because I kind of wanted to give him a little bit of a mental break. After all, we've sort of thrown at him the last month. So she's just going to do light hacking, a little bit of walk, trot. I told her, you know, do polls and stuff like that. And then I'm really lucky because I have another RRP veteran, um, Callista Miller, who runs her training business out of my farm as well. We've sort of partnered up in the training and lesson program and we're doing everything together out of my farm. So if, you know, he needs more of a professional ride, then she can sit on him too, which is really nice.
1: That's that's really nice to have that support program. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I feel like as we approach July and like, you know, the clock's ticking up to October, I feel like a lot of people start to get anxious and try to do more like to feel really prepared as they get ready for the makeover. And it's interesting that you're like, let's give them a little bit of a break. Let's like take a step back. Have you found that to be a good tactic in the past or is this something new you're trying?
7: This is new. Um and it's a little bit circumstantial because obviously I'm I'm not there. So he has no choice. But we've found sort of just in the last couple of weeks, because you know I've only I've only been riding him since the beginning of May we haven't had him that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've found in the last couple of weeks where if he does something really good like we're trotting and I, you know, we do a circle and it's very round. If I let him have a walk break for a second, then I go back and I do it again and he's like, "Oh, I remember that. That was it." And then I got a break. So huh. I'm sort of translating that into the bigger picture where like he was really good at fair hill, he was okay at the jumper show before that. So now I can have this sort of easier two
0: weeks.
2: So it's almost like tapping into his kind of lazier nature. It's like, hey, if you want to rest, you have to do the thing right. Like, it's a very exactly. nice reward for him. Oh, that's so interesting. He's so different. And oh, very smart.
7: smart. Yeah. Yes. So different than anything I've had.
2: So. Um, yeah. Now that you've had him, like you've been with him, you started him in May, you've had about 60 days playing with him. Like, has he continued to surprise you? Is there anything else you've learned about
7: him? He surprises me every day. Um, <laughs> he, when we, especially so at Fair Hill, I haven't competed at Fair Hill since 2015. And we got there, it was raining, there were, you know, 10,000 people, and eventing so unique where, you know, even at the, The horse trials, you know, the unrecognized stuff, you're still competing against four-star riders, five-star riders, Olympians. So it's a little overwhelming when you haven't done it for a long time. So we got there, and we walked to the course. Summer actually competed her horse, her other horse, um, Sylvester, who she rode in the Mega Makeover. And it was both of their first times eventing. So I was like, let's go walk cross-country, you know, and I can kind of talk to you about this because it's not something she'd ever done before. And I was walking the course, and just I was having like horrible anxiety. Um, I think, just because I hadn't done it in so long. So then I had to go back and, you know, I had forty five minutes to get him off the trailer and you know, sort of zen myself out to walk out to cross country. And I pulled him off the trailer and he kind of looked around and was just like, "Oh, okay." And was just so unimpressed with everything. And that was like the biggest thing with him. Like if he can stay relaxed when I'm a little bit anxious, that's the most exciting thing I've learned about him so far.
1: (laughs) He's like, it's don't worry, I'll be your emotional support animal. I got you.
7: Exactly. That's (laughs) it was it was really neat to see him kind of step into that role when he, you know, doesn't need to. (laughs) He's no reason to, but he just sort of walked off the trailer and was like, Oh, this old place, it's fine. I think this is like such a good illustration too,
1: that, you know, some horses really can take that like relatively short timeline and, you know, even yours has been shorter than the average makeover horse, because that's one of the big criticisms of the makeover, right. is like, uh, puts horses on a tight timeline. It's like, well, you know, I mean, we've never said it's for every horse, uh, but clearly for horses like this one, (laughs) it's like, all right, I can, I can do that. That's fine. You know, and seems to, it, like,
7: he's just has such a fascinating brain from the way you mm-hmm. describe him that he like, he really does. Yeah. And he he makes me think outside the box a little bit.
4: Yeah. And this is, is nice.
1: actually like, <laughs> this is making me nervous to ever get another one. Cause I'm like, what if I get one like this? You know, like, like my first horse was such a re- looking back, like, you know, he gets fresh, he gets silly, like whatever. But it, as far as a restart, he was such an mm-hmm. easy restart for a first time thoroughbred person. And then we bought a second horse who was already restarted, but has been such a challenge to bring along. And now I'm like, oh no, like I don't know how to think outside the box. Like, I
2: know, I've never had a, <laughs> anything that wasn't a hot, sensitive, opinionated horse like ever in my life. So like, <clears throat> I have so many questions like, oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, you know, know where like leading in with him. Yeah, I'm like, Julia, tell me more. Like, <laughs> how did you learn to think outside the box? Like, really? I mean, like, like how did you, how did you approach- this horse and be like okay the normal way of going isn't going to work for us
7: it's been a little bit trial and error and you know he's he lets you know pretty quickly what doesn't work you know i think his defense when he doesn't want to go forward when he wants to be gate sour is to he first he plants his feet then you kind of get after him a little bit and then he'll kind of kick out or like buck a little bit but then he goes forward so i think Some people's thought process would be like, oh, you kind of have to like chase him out of it and really get after him. But that doesn't work with this one. So You can't do that. So I just had to, to just think differently. And I think just riding so many different horses and also being honestly a little ADHD kind of works in my favor because I get bored doing the same thing all the time anyway. So having to be a little creative in that aspect to keep myself focused has been helpful with him, too.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, I'm like thinking about what you're saying and I'm like, well, I guess we have had to think like our second horse shorty has been a little challenge because we, I want to like drill flat work with him to help my husband, bring him along. And the horse hates that. And then it makes my husband hate it too. So like, you know, he's like, I'm going to go practice out on the trail. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But also now you're going to just make the horse sort of sour in the same places on the trail. So we're going to have to switch that tactic up here pretty soon. Yeah. Too. <laughs> it's like, it's just the same problem on a bigger scale. Um be yeah, out in the open now. You're right. Yeah. So like, oh well, we always trot here, so I'm not gonna do that anymore. So um, but yeah, you're giving me hope that eventually I'll think my way out of it. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have this is like maybe a hard question right off, you know, off the cuff, but do you have any like regrets so far along the journey or like something that you definitely wish you had done differently or thought of sooner?
7: Um, honestly, yeah. So we started treating him for ulcers last week and I was really, really disappointed in myself that I didn't think of it ahead of time. Usually when they come off the track, I'll sort of do like 30 days of Gastroguard right away. But his personality w- wasn't necessarily like typically one of an all three horse. And I just was riding him one day and Callista and I were kind of throwing ideas back and forth. And I said, you know, it, it doesn't make sense that a horse who raced, that won, you know, a decent amount of races and made a decent amount of money, just all of a sudden, without any sort of underlying injury, just all of a sudden now doesn't want to go forward. And then I sort of was like, I don't know why we didn't think to treat him for ulcers from the beginning. So we're about a week and a half into that now, and it's definitely made a difference. He came, I think, off the trailer a little more willing to go forward at Fair Hill, and that was probably around day six or seven hmm. of the, um, ulcer treatment. So then of course, you know, I beat myself up a little bit. I'm like, I should have done that from the beginning. As soon as we got him, I should have thought of it. That's yeah. Scary. But I mean, that's what otherwise, no, other right? than that, no. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm going to say, don't beat yourself
1: up about that one, because ulcers are one of those things that's like, everything can be ulcers and nothing can be yeah. ulcers. And it's like, you, you don't know, you know, right. If you have none of the other common, symptoms, Mm. you know, that wouldn't have to be your first thought. So yeah, I'm think i gonna give you a pass on that one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and that's like, peruse horses show things in different ways. There's, there's no like set behavior for everything. And you have some really stoic horses. I mean, you think about it, they're prey animals, so they don't want to be seen as having a weakness in any regards, even if they are uncomfortable moving around. Um, So it's, I think it's great for any listener to hear it too of like, yeah, they could be really stoic and seem fine, but they may actually be uncomfortable and show it in different ways. So I'm glad you followed your gut though. And you're starting to see some results.
7: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it'll be,
6: Mm
7: -hmm. oh no, absolutely. I mean, if it, you know, if it helps anybody else think about it, then it's, it's worth sharing, I think. Um, And I think it will be interesting when I come back, because at that point he'll be, you know, three weeks into the four weeks of treatment. And so I think it'll be really interesting to have not mm-hmm. seen him for two weeks and then to get back on and sort of see how he feels after that.
1: Oh, I love when I have opportunities like that. Like I don't get those opportunities very frequently. Um, but like my farrier, you know, go five weeks without seeing a horse, you know, like I have a horse that was in kind of poor condition this spring and she saw him five weeks later and she's like, Oh, he looks way better. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Cause I see him every day. So I don't know anymore. <laughs> so yeah. yeah awesome.
7: When you see them every day, you just don't see it. No. Yeah.
1: You're like, does he look better. I think let me take another picture. And I don't know. We'll compare. Yeah. 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 You
7: start yeah. Scrolling back to your camera. Of right. All like, the pictures mm, of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a cool
2: update to hear. Like next time we touch base with you of how he's doing and what you've noticed. And hopefully he's just like eager to go.
7: Yeah, I think he will be. He um, my biggest thing that I, the most thing I was proud of him at Fair Hill was when we were walking up to dressage. It was So we at Fairhill, you know, they have the grandstands where you first walk in and then stabling is a little bit further away. So you kind of have to walk away from everything to get to where we did dressage. And it was raining and storming. So there weren't very many people up there to begin with. Um, So I wasn't really sure that he was just going to walk up there. And he just strolled up with no issue. He didn't hesitate anywhere. He didn't stop. And I said, you know, anything else that happens today, like this is this is the big win. Nice.
1: I love those. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, on paper, you don't get to show that one off, but like, you know, no. well, so yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. So Julia, can you remind listeners where they can follow along with your journey?
7: Absolutely. So you can find me on my Instagram uh, page at Close Up show Stables And then on my personal Facebook page, which is just under my name, Julia Yeso.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks very much Um, and have fun in Pennsylvania braiding a million horses and we'll catch up with you in a few weeks.
7: (laughs) Thank you so much,
1: guys. Thank you.
3: Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than Spalding fly predators.
1: So, Joy, instead of doing a social segment for this episode, we wanted to do a listener shout-out because we've been getting some really nice um, emails and messages and, you know, sometimes face-to-face interactions with listeners. And it's really, really cool for us to, you know, hear how the show has impacted you guys um, and also to know that people listen. So, if you're listening to us, thanks very much. We appreciate you. So, this episode's listener shout-out is going to Laren. Uh, who has been a fan of the show now for a little while Um, and she saw me at a horse show a couple weeks ago and mentioned that because of Retired Race Horse Radio, she's actually listened now to a bunch of other shows on the Horse Radio Network, which I think is super cool Um, and it's really helped to open up her horizons um, and give her some different things to think about as she tries to find her place in the equestrian industry. So Laren, thank you so much for being a listener and we're happy to have you here. The retired racehorse Project store has the coolest looks for the hottest summer days. As they say, the RRP store lets you wear your love for the OTTB right on your sleeve, literally. Featuring your favorite equestrian brands with that eye-catching RRP OTTB logo, the RRP store has everything you need to be the best dressed in the arena this summer. Don't forget that your store purchase supports the RRP's mission to drive demand for thoroughbreds and second careers. Listeners of this podcast can use code RRRADIO10 to save 10% off at checkout. Visit the rrp.org shop to shop now.
0: Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horsemen On Demand.
2: Well, it is that time We are talking to Leandra Cooper from New Vocations. Welcome back to the show, Leandra.
5: Always glad to be here. Thanks, guys
2: always a pleasure to have you. And I have a training question that I think a lot of our listeners will one relate to and also appreciate to get some tips on. And that is how can we safely deescalate our resources or I should say retired resources after they're, they're gone from zero to 100, When we know that they got a little stress, something set them off. How can we help them feel calm and back in the moment with us?
5: That is a great question and one that could be applied to so many different situations, but I just happened to be thinking about this today when I was working with a horse who is probably my favorite in the barn. And I feel like this is always the case. I'm sure there's some listeners out there who are the same kind of crazy that I am where I end up really loving and honing in on the horses who are the most misunderstood. So Um, the horse that I have in mind who we call Charles, it's like, he's, he makes things, I guess he becomes unlikable very easily, but in the same light, if you set boundaries for him and you treat him with love and respect, I feel like he gives it back to you the same sort of way. Whereas if you treat him like he's a nuisance, then he becomes more of a nuisance. So, I was thinking about this today with Charles when I was working with him, and he just had a moment of just dramatic escalation for really what we would say is no apparent reason, right? But um, I'd asked him to change direction on the lunge line, and it really flustered him. And I was thinking about this and, and thinking to myself, you know, it would be easy in this moment to blame the horse and we've seen it a million times, I'm sure, when people do and their frustration bleeds into the situation and makes things 10 times worse. But I thought to myself, what if in these moments we thought, I am frustrated. Like you're thinking the thought for the horse, but you almost give yourself a line to repeat in those moments instead of being like, oh, he doesn't get this. Ah, you know, and then it's it's, um, personifying something where it's, genuinely, it's it's usually from misunderstanding. So if you said like, oh, I'm frustrated and you're like thinking this as like, this is what the horse is thinking or like, I'm confused. That I think is probably my favorite one because again, miscommunication becomes such a key part of this. So if you think to yourself, oh, I'm confused. And that's kind of the narrative Then I feel like there's more of an inclination to help explain that to the horse. And we do that with body language and being direct with our ask. But mostly it's about not feeding the tension of it because Mm. horses are herd animals. They are very sensitive, they have a lot more space in their brain committed to. Brains are complicated, but let's simplify it and say movement. So action, and so a lot of the things we're seeing as blow-ups are a lot of high energy movements, which is normal. They are prey animals evolutionarily, so they're they need to, based on their survival instinct, move away from a space, and they can't, you know, a lot of a lot of energy. So energy, and they're very intuitive. So they have a collective consciousness with a herd, which is why they don't need to see everything and be everywhere all the time. If they're in a group, then say one can relax, one could be sleeping one another one's on watch. Again, built-in instinct for them. So collective consciousness, so they're going to feed off of your energy. And if you keep your energy quiet, and if there is still this feeling of trying to communicate effectively without the negative implications, always easier said than done, especially in those situations. But the more that you can think about it as a miscommunication and be the leader, and in that way, step into the role of how can I be more clear about what the ask is? How can I help them understand more than those reactions, which... I mean, generally, unless your horse had, I mean, there could be a brain lesion or something we might never see, but a lot of times there is something that they are perceiving that we just don't perceive the same way. It could be the way blades of grass are moving because their perception is designed to notice things that we wouldn't because we are more on the predator side of things. And that's how we've evolved. Mm So instead of saying, this is irrational, this doesn't make sense, this is unnecessary, this is from nothing, acknowledging that we just might not see it, or we might not understand, but this miscommunication side of things, it's going to help you see things better from their point of view. So that, and that, so that's just like the big picture, like the concepts, right? If you're working with a horse and they're having big blow up moments. Again, let's go back to like one of the two main things. You've collective consciousness and then this high energy, like they're designed to move. So the more you can keep them moving, but in a way where you are still the leader and you are driving that and it's not just like Wherever, whenever you know the the chaotic part of it, like I I'll resort back to what I call safety circles, which you can do on the ground or under saddle. So you're putting them in a controlled circle that helps them to just move through that energy, but you're still directing it. You're asking them for it. You're giving them something to concentrate on. That's a little bit hard because you know that's like especially if it's a tighter circle, like it's more difficult on their body to to do that. So. Staying in control, keeping yourself safe, but giving them something to do with that energy is key because you cannot effectively communicate if they are in a panic mode. That's where it's like, you're never going to get suppleness while they're bracing against you. So you have to get through the phase of panic. You have to get through the part where they're just bracing mentally or physically to be able to get to the learning part of it. And you cannot stop what is an autonomous reaction. You can't stop them from panicking at times, but you can help them to create a better understanding. So that in the future, you're creating new neurological pathways of what happens when there's a stimulus and what the reaction is. And you can establish yourself as a leader who they will turn to in those moments where their brain's going into panic. And that's going to help you get to the results that you want ultimately. But in order for that to happen, you need to, one, understand there could just be a misunderstanding, you know, and how to guide them through that. And then two, how to deal with that energy That's going to be again autonomous. They can't control it. It's just like us. You can't tell somebody not to stress. You can long term, right?
2: How many times have I heard that from my therapist, and I feel more stressed because she knows
5: I'm stressed. It is because it's not. You can't tell somebody not to have a reaction. It's like the um, what is it like the pink elephant example? You tell somebody not to think about a pink elephant. First thing they think about immediately is a pink elephant. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help to to do it. So it's dealing with that, redirecting it, creating new patterns of action in the long term. But in the meanwhile, it's being able to diffuse and get Mm -hmm. back to a more relaxed state. I could go on, but I'm going to stop there.
2: (laughs) I love that, Leandra. I think it actually, so I will share with listeners for anyone who may not have, they might be new here or maybe they're catching up on episodes, but um episode ninety seven we actually go in depth with Tick Maynard about spooky versus anxious horses and the behaviors they have. And one of the tips and tricks we talk about is in your groundwork is helping them build confidence through curiosity, having them eat treats and food off you know foreign objects or just embracing that curiosity a little bit more to help them build confidence in it. Um, that's one trick. and I actually did that for my own horse before. We even talked to Tick, but that's something I use in that positive reinforcement. I have quite a reactive horse. Um, Leandra actually got to work with her years ago, <laughs> and she was known as the barn diva back at New Vocations. And she is quite reactive. There used to be a lot more explosions than there are today. And I found laughing in the moment was actually more helpful for me to deescalate myself. I'm a perfect. You're exhaling, probably, yes, probably too. You're exactly going, huh. yeah. It like forces you to breathe out. It forces you to like not get tense. Now, obviously, I'm very good at reading the horse before I get in the saddle. Like if I have a very tense horse before I get in the saddle, it's a groundwork session to start minimally. If she's relaxed and then escalating, I like to laugh. It helps relax me. And I have noticed she relaxes a lot faster if I'm not trying to correct her. I don't get over-focused on what I was trying to do. Maybe I was trying to do transitions or lateral work or whatever. Instead, I just, I like how you called it the safety circle, Leandra. If you just throw her (laughs) into a circle, we just go through it. And as she exhales, I immediately scratch her on the withers and be like, excellent reaction. Mm -hmm. Like that reward I think is everything. And we went from the whole ride being multiple blow ups to maybe we have one or two. And they last less than 10 seconds and we're back to work and nothing ever happened.
5: I love
1: that. That's beautiful. Yeah. This is a similar conversation I was having in the warm-up pen um, at our last horse show, you know, because it was, wasn't super busy. So, you know, some of the other girls I know were loping around and I'm loping around on jobber. And um, somehow it came up of like, you know, if your quarter horse is fresh, you guys can go to the back ring and pop it on the lunge line. But if your thoroughbred is fresh, if you, just go run a thoroughbred in a circle, it seems to get more fresh (laughs) because they just have that stamina and, you know, just that, that tendency. And, and we were talking about how a large part of, you know, working with a thoroughbred is sort of like thinking a few steps ahead so that when they're in that like fresh, you know, place where you feel like you have to deescalate it, you're really trying to find, like you said, like new pathways for the feet and then Following that would be new pathways for the brain. But if you can keep those feet moving in a good direction where you're in charge of the feet, then you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I cannot go and just lunge jobber for 45 minutes like you can with the quarter horses. And I know that that's a, you know, I'm going to get some hate mail and people be like, not all quarter horses. It's like, yeah, no, I get it. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Generally speaking, speaking in, you do yes, generalizations
1: here. <laughs> yes. But in, you know, the experience I've had with the quarter horses, you go run them around, get them tired, and then you can do whatever you want with them. And and the thoroughbreds have always made me think more than that. So, yeah.
5: Well, and I mean, and, and not everybody's going to be in these situations, but, you know, when we're working exclusively with baby horses coming off the track, we're going to be, I mean, my riders in situations where... You are working with a horse who is actively thinking about rearing or Mm -hmm. is more than just threats. Like you're in situations and, you know, I never want to tell somebody like, you know, work through it because it's all about your own comfort, but there are situations where we have to. So what we do in those situations is literally redirect. So, you know, if you, if you're getting anxious, if you're getting frustrated in a horse's going up to rear and thinking about it, you don't have a lot of time and you definitely do not have the space in that mental room to be adding energy to it because you're going to get yourself hurt. So, you know, in those, like, in those situations... You you are asking them to um, go left quickly and then go right quickly again and then ask again. And then can we go in a circle and can we, you know, you're just trying to move them out of that physical and mental space to get to a place where you can work with them. Because if you're getting, if you're asking for more, the more that you're getting, is definitely not going to be. In the way that you want, so it, mm-hmm. you have to be able to redirect and be able to be the leader and be able to get them out of that mental space, and then reinforce like you were saying, Joy, the patterns that you do want. But um, getting yourself quickly and safely out of the the dangerous spots is important. In those and but like the same concept, you, you can apply to anything.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. I I love that we're having this conversation because I think one, this is what can make people nervous to adopt them, right? The reactions tend to be, or at least stereotypically tend to be bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love how you said like baby horses, they also tend to be adopted much younger than most horses. And, you know, I'm sure if you were to adopt one that's already started in retraining or maybe a broodmare coming back into work and who's a little older, you're going to have a slightly different mindset. They're going to be experienced to different things and some of these young ones coming off the track. And I just want everyone to like sit back for a second. Remember yourself as a teenager, okay? Because you have these baby horses, right? <laughs> Remember what you were like as a teenager and your parents told you what to wear and how to live and how to act and the rage that you had because you didn't understand at the time because you were still developing. <laughs> you Your brain was still developing. So you're going to have outbursts and act irrational sometimes as that teenager. Yeah. And then we're going to add that horses have the emotional intelligence of a four-year-old on top of it. <laughs> so if you can keep that in mind and be a lot more forgiving with your horse and take it as a learning opportunity, they can't scream. They can't argue. This is their way of saying, I'm uncomfortable. And maybe it's pain-related. Maybe it's not. Either way, they're uncomfortable and it's worth investigating. And I think this is a good opportunity too, if you're not comfortable with that reactivity, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get a trainer involved. It's okay to have someone work through those who feels more comfortable with it, and then show you how you can adapt to it too. Asking for help is probably the the best tool you'll ever have if that's not something you're comfortable with. So I know I'm not. I ask for help all the time.
5: We say all the time, the two best tools that you can have with working with especially the baby horses, but probably like people and any horse in general Mm -hmm. (laughs) is patience and a sense of humor. And some days, if you can't show up with those tools, you have to know your own limits or, you know, have a friend work with them, have a trainer work with them and watch what they do. And, um, you know, people can need the same things. And when, when we can't, Show up as the leaders, or when we can't provide those things, it is important to be able to ask for help too, so that and you can learn from it. Really, so there's uh, stepping aside for our pride in those in those moments and being able to ask for help for the horse's sake uh, will benefit everybody involved. But patience and a sense of humor I've found to be invaluable tools in training.
2: I think that's an excellent excellent thing to end this training tip on, Leandra. Thank you so much. I think it's going to help so many people and. We're curious to hear your tips on how you like to deescalate your horse too and what helps them feel calm. So make sure to share that with us in either our social media. You can DM us, shoot us an email and we'd love to share it with others because I think we're all in this journey together. Um, But let's jump into our adoptable horse of the week. And before we do, I would like everyone to know that Leander E. filmed me around lunchtime today. Uh, And today is June 28th, just as a reference. She sent me the horse we were going to talk about I was excited for. And then literally six minutes before we were going to get on, she emails me and says, that horse got adopted, but here's the other horse we can talk about. So if you are interested in adopting, they go fast. So we're going to preface before we introduce to go get your applications in, get them approved so you can go and get the horse that you want before someone else does. So with that, Leandra, let's talk about Humidor.
5: Yes, you are our runner-up in this situation. (laughs) And we had just posted that horse up online today also. So um, it was fast. It was very fast, which if she was, she's a gray horse. So of course that does tend to happen. It seems to be the magic color. But Humidor, we also just posted, and has been—he's been a barn favorite since the day he walked off the trailer. He is nothing short of a diamond in the rough as far as personality goes, because he just couldn't be sweeter. He's that big puppy dog personality that people tend to look for. He's really just a friendly, relaxed guy. So leading him, no problem at all. Grooming, being in the cross ties, no problem at all. He absolutely loves being doted on. He loves attention. He's always somebody who you can rely on when tours are going through, you know, to be a friendly face in the barn, to be a good pasture mate. There is not a thing that I can name that is problematic about this horse's personality. And he's even an easy keeper. We've had to cut back on his grain So (laughs) all around. I just think there's not enough to be said about how great he is. Um, Starting at him. In under saddle work, he's shown us the same sort of personality where if anything, he's a bit lazy. So he'll need a little um help if somebody wants him to have higher ambitions to start collecting a bit more and getting <laughs> off of the, the bit because he just tends to be like low and quiet and low energy. And so um, you know. D- you never know as they get older and maybe they get a little fitter, they can start to have more ambitions, but I think that he could go in so many different directions. He could just as easily stay a low key hack around kind of guy, but he could also go on and do great things in lots of different show rings if somebody wanted, because he just says very go with the flow. So uh, we have him set at kind of low to mid-level athletic ambitions, and um, you know, also his sire is distorted humor, and we've seen the same sort of thing in other distorted humor courses that have come through our program where it's this very carefree persona. Like it's it's goes beyond confidence because it's just like there is not a worry that crosses the mind. So I think that he's gonna be one to look out for. We are working on getting a video of him. So we don't have that up yet, but maybe by the time this comes out, we will hopefully. And uh, he just is definitely one to look at if you are for, for basically anybody, I will say for basically anybody, this is a horse to keep an eye on. Look at the booty on him. He's so I cute. I know
2: he's such a chunk yeah, and I love name. it. Yeah. <laughs> I and mean, I love the top line. Oh yeah. I know yeah, you're like, imagining a Western saddle on
5: him very quickly, mm-hmm. Kristen. Oh, yeah. Easy. 100%. We'll work on that video. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he looks like he could go all around. Like he looks like a nice hunter type, definitely a nice mm-hmm. Western, but you could see him going like trail, even just like, he looks like he could be all around. Yeah. Like, he's got a really nice body. He's at a really nice height. He's 16 one. So good size for anybody, not too big, not too small.
1: And he's chonky, wrap your legs around him. And I'm like chunky. That. I can go. see why he maybe never made it to the actual racetrack. I see that he had a workout, but not a race.
5: <laughs> yeah. No, it's no surprise when you meet him and you, you know him. He's more of a shot putter than a sprinter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. and Royally bred. I mean, you couldn't get a better pedigree on him for sure. So what a cool. he's cute. I'm like really he's got nice. a nice face. Yes. And his tail is, I mean, chef's kiss quality too, which it's not the case for every thoroughbred. So I just want to emphasize how nice it is to have a nice tail on a horse. Well, even his forelock.
2: Like I know Astrid has like the forelock that gets the most comments on Instagram. Yeah. But his is up there. He's got a really thick forelock and he's just got good jeans, you can tell.
1: Yes. You know who I cannot show this horse to is my husband because he loves a bay and he's going to look at this and be like. But I can show him. No, yeah. get out of here.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, he is super cute. um, uh, his barn name is Hodor, which I also think is cute. I can't share that with Zach either because he loves more of the Rings. <laughs>
1: We're going to end up that. with some husband horses
2: again. Oh boy. Oh no. Uh, but he is at DevocationsHorseAdoption dot com and he is two thousand dollars. But hey, if you miss out on this one, don't worry. Contact Leandra. She will help pick out the right one for you. You just have to get your adoption uh, applications in and get them approved. And then you can have a horse delivered to you or you go pick it up, whatever's easiest. All right, Leandra, thank you so much for joining us again. It's always a pleasure.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at horseradio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback Rider and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at the You can find
2: me on Instagram at MisfitMare, and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company, and to our amazing partners, New Vocations Adoption Program and the Retired Resource Project. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And always add more leg. Bye, guys.